as an intel officer and also as an FAA or traffic controller, I had access to a possible Raytheon's litter, laser infrared detection and ranging system that was brand new, developed to tunnel find back in 2009. And when they found out that we might have access to Raytheon bringing their LIDAR system into Egypt, they went nuts. The real search in Egypt, their real hunt is for the Atlantean Hall of Records because the Egyptian pyramids were not built by ancient Egyptians. They were built by fleeing Atlanteans. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. All right, well, thank you for joining us again today. I first want to give a shout-out and a thank you to all my Patreon supporters. We've got Shell Pace at the $50 level, Sam and Angela Shelke at the $20.20. We've got the Plandemic Reprimando at $17.76. We have Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, and she was a guest previously, Frank, and a new one of Brian. Thank you, Brian. Kevin Alanos at the Self-Made $10 level. We have the Refined Not Burn $5 level with Linda, Emmy, Joe, Pat and Bev, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Dawn, Jennifer. And we have The Courage is Contagious with Amanda, Jay, Spetsnasty, Darrell, Suzanne, BB King, who was a guest, and Rick. Thank you so much for all your support, for your monetary support, for all your prayers. You know, we're still fighting the Secretary of Defense vehemently, and, you know, this. my legal fees are now north of $70,000, and so this is getting to be quite a burden. So if you are able to donate it all, go to my gifts and go. Greatly appreciate it. If you're able to pray, please give us all the prayers that you can. My next guest today, I'm very honored to introduce Dr. Tom Lawson. He's a PhD in clinical psychology, psychiatry, and he's done quite a few things in his life. He's been an air traffic controller, but he's got a special personal interest. And sir, if you'd like to, to explain some of that. Well, let me see if I can offer an overview. I have, uh, I went back late in life for a PhD because I'm interested in human consciousness. And ever since I was 20 years old, I was in the Air Force for four years active duty. And I went to the University of Berlin when I was about 20 years old. And I saw a statue of Nefertiti. And it just, something just drew me to Egypt. And then I began researching because I, when I was in college, I was an undergraduate, I was in college, and I learned hypnosis and accidentally hypnosis. And a friend of mine wanted me to hypnotize him, and I hypnotized him without knowing anything about it, zero training. And you can take this for what it's worth. I'm not asking you to believe it. He started talking about a lifetime before in France, and he spoke perfect idiomatic French. Perfect. And we were in France at every Air Force base. I was raised Roman Catholic. I didn't have a clue. I thought you were a frog in a previous life. I hypnotized 109 other people. 108 told me they lived before. I said, wait a minute. Everything I've ever learned is incomplete. Then I started doing research in other areas. And yeah, I became an air traffic controller for the FAA. I was an air traffic controller in the Air Force. And eventually I became a reserve intel officer in the Navy, and I was in the Navy for 24 years. I retired in, nine, in 2006 when I turned 60. I'm 77 now. But to, uh, I became very involved surreptitiously with a group of people that are the ultimate insiders on the Great Pyramid and the Sphinx. And if you'd like me to talk about that, or you want me to give an overview, most people have no clue, like I didn't. They just think that the pyramid, there's 8 million people a year at least go to the pyramids. And most people think they're tombs. There's 138 pyramids, nine major pyramids. There has never been a body, a tomb, a pharaoh, a mummy, anybody ever found in any pyramid. But the official line is that. The pyramids were built as tombs. 
Well, what conventional Egyptologists will never tell you is that there are 62 royal tombs located in the Valley of Kings about 500 miles south of the Giza Plateau of Cairo. The Giza Plateau is the three pyramids in the Sphinx. It sits on an escarpment just west of Cairo, and the Nile River 10,000 years ago used to be there. So in my own research and my reading over many, many, many years, what I discovered was that there are anomalies that conventional exoteric means open, the standard line. And, you know, as an intel officer, you're taught disinformation and propaganda. And I also learned that doing therapy as a clinical psychologist is that people will tell you what they need to tell you, even though they don't believe it. And to give you an example of it, one time I was doing some marital therapy with a couple and she was very overbearing. And I said to him that a husband, do you feel your wife is overbearing? And he says, no. So that gives you the body language. He shakes, he nods his head and says, no. Well, if you don't think that doesn't work in politics, I lived in Washington, D.C. for eight years, and I found Terry Truman was telling the truth when he said, if you want a friend in D.C., get a dog. So <clears throat> if I may, let me go back to the pyramids. Most people, when they take into Egypt, they're taken by standard conventional tour guides, and they say, here it is. Here's where Khufu was buried. Here's where Khafre was buried. Here's where Mankura was buried. The problem is they weren't buried there. Nobody was buried there. So the question then arises, why were they built? And I suggest to you, and I, I, we won't have time to go into it today if you'd like to have me back on and I can do my presentation, which I've given to various groups. It's a bunch of slides, but a picture's worth a thousand words. And as an intel officer and also as an FAA or traffic controller, I had access to a possible Raytheon's litter, laser infrared detection and ranging system that was brand new, developed to tunnel find back in 2009. And I contacted certain people and when they found out that we might have access to Raytheon bringing their LIDAR system into Egypt, they went nuts. So I was coordinating with the, Dr. Michael Johnson of Raytheon to try to get them in there because the real search in Egypt of the insiders, and I'll describe the two major insiders, the two most notable Egyptologists of the last 100 years since 1933 is Dr. Mark Lerner and Dr. Zahi Awas. Both of them, one of them publicly, Dr. Mark Lerner, has publicly stated and written a book on it before he discovered his reputation was be destroyed if he kept on to this position but Dr. Zahiwa secretly, and I have the emails to prove it, their real hunt is for the Atlantean Hall of Records because the Egyptian pyramids were not built by ancient Egyptians. They were built by fleeing Atlanteans. Now you say, that's crazy. Where's the evidence for that? Let me offer you some evidence. There are multiple maps and the ancient world, and I'll mention a couple of them. One of the maps is by a Turkish admiral drawn in 1513 AD. His name was Piri, which means admiral, Piri Reis. He was beheaded in 1549. He was a young guy. He drew a map of the western part of South America and of the northwest part of Antarctica with no ice. So there's a guy named Professor Charles Hapgood who wrote a book in 1953, I think, 
called The Path of the Poles. And the guy who wrote the introduction to that book was none other than Albert Einstein. And the theme of the book was there have been three polar shifts in the last 100,000 years, with the last one being in 10,940 BC, give or take a circa, give or take a few years. There's another map called the Orontaneous Phineas map, published in 1533, that is all of Antarctica with no ice. Now, here's what's interesting. When people like Dr. Mark Lerner and Dr. Zahi was, they claim that the Egyptians, no Atlanteans, no aliens, nobody else built the pyramids. Well, <laughs> the problem with that is, Professor Charles Hapgood of the University of Keene, New Hampshire, he found this map when he was doing research in the Library of Congress that was a gift from the Turkish Naval, Naval Admiralty, and, it, and he wrote notes on the side of it, and it says, this map I drew from ancient source maps, 20 of them at least, in the Turkish Admiralty. Well, what's interesting is this. There are lines of longitude on that map. The problem with this is in 1513, in order, and we lived on our catamaran, we were gonna sail around the world until the Navy called me back on active duty. But what happened was the lines of longitude demand a chronometer, and they demand five seconds a month in order to find lines of longitude. Well, here's the problem. There were no chronometers till 1780 till William Harrison invented the chronometer. But what's really interesting is this. They sent this map to the U.S. Air Force's 8th Strategic Reconnaissance Wing, a B-52 base, at Westover Air Force Base. And on July the 8th, 1960, there was a letter written by Colonel William Oldenmeyer, who was the Oldenmeyer, who was the executive officer. And he said, we have no idea how this map could have been made. All we can say, we're intrigued by it, an, an article with no ice, and it couldn't have been drawn any earlier than 4000 BC. Now, the Egyptologists claim the pyramids were built in 2650, between 3000 and 2650. And on this map, the zero degree line of longitude ran directly through the Great Pyramid. Now, if you look at the Great Pyramid, it is an exact replica of the Northern Hemisphere of the Earth. And I mean exact. The only thing more accurate then the Great Pyramid's measurements is satellite imaging. <coughs> and that didn't, that didn't happen until like the 70s or the 80s. But let me give you a little background on the Great Pyramid. The Great Pyramid does not have four sides. It has eight sides. I won't go into all the reasons, but they're very technical. They're contained in a book like this. This is a great book. It's called... Thoth, Architect of the Universe, and it has really good information on the Great Pyramid. And I'll mention one other book that I highly recommend. This was written by an English linguist named Peter Lemercier called The Great Pyramid Decoded. So when we look at the Great Pyramid's technical specs, if you take that pyramid, let's just say here's my phone. Let's just say this is square. And you took a piece of string and you ran it all the way around the pyramid. And then you stretch that piece of string out. It is exactly one ten millionth the distance around the equator of the Earth. And then if you take the height, which is 481 feet, the great, if you take a string and drop that from the missing capstone to the base of the pyramid, it is exactly one ten millionth of the distance from the North Pole to the center of the Earth. Now, furthermore, 
The Great Pyramid has some really, I mean, I could talk to you for hours on the Great Pyramid's measurements, but let me give you a couple of them. When you said from from the center of the Earth, do you mean to the core, or do you mean from the North Pole to the equator? Core. To the core. Okay? It has all kinds of other information in it. For example, the the frequency of the Earth is called, what's it called? It's, not the, it's a harmonic. The Schumann frequency. And I think the frequency is 2.83 hertz. Well, what's interesting is if you look at every major site, ancient site in the Earth, Machu Picchu <coughs> and the Andes, the Great Pyramid, Easter Island, and also going to Indonesia, not Kuala Lumpur. I can't remember where that ancient, it's the ancient Angkor Wat. All of them are on this harmonic. So the ancients understood these harmonics that drive the earth. Let me, let me go back, if I may, for a minute to the Great Pyramid itself. The Great Pyramid has 2,300,000 blocks. Some of the blocks in the Great Pyramid of the original casing stones are on the equivalent of glasses, opticians' glasses, accurate to within a thousandth of an inch. Though there was a when the Al Mamun and the Mormon, the the Muslims, ripped off the casing stones of the Great Pyramid in order to build the mosques and buildings in Cairo. There was a, a, a remnant, it's called a talus slope. It's all the pieces that broke down and covered up about 15 or 20 remaining casing stones. These are 51 degrees, 51 seconds. Very important mathematically, but I don't have time to go into that. However, what is interesting is when you look at these blocks together, there is virtually no cracks. They are perfectly sealed and the mortar is stronger than the stone, the limestone, the Turo limestone, which was mined east of there itself. These are perfectly formed blocks. Now, let me offer you another piece, which I sent you a video. About 20 years ago, I was at a friend of mine's house. He was a FAA air traffic controller also. And he had just built a house outside of Washington, D.C. And his daughter was in a, a geopolymer engineering school at Drexel University, five-year program. Dr. Michael Barsoom, a Tommy said, his name was Tommy Vandenbosch, and his daughter's name was Kelly. He says, Tom, I know you're interested in the Great Pyramid, but I got to tell you this. Kelly's senior advisor, Dr. Michael Barsoom, wants her to do her fifth-year senior thesis on the blocks in the Great Pyramid not being carved, but being cast synthetic. I sent you an hour-long presentation that he made to a geopolymer conference, and he shows absolutely that you can't tell in the inner core, but many of the blocks were synthetic. Let's go higher in the pyramid. In the so-called king's chamber, and I've been in the king's chamber, it has granite blocks and granite lintels in the top. These are 50 to 70 tons. That means they're 100,000 to 140,000 pounds. They're 280 feet in the air. How did they get there? They are cut extremely precisely. They are laser straight. And I'll, I'll, I'll share something else with you in a minute, but it's not about the pyramid. They are laser cut straight, 280 feet up. Conventional Egyptologists will argue, well, they had a ramp. <laughs> the problem is no ramp has ever been found. And the ramp would have to be three times the length of the Great Pyramid. The new argument is, well, they had an internal ramp. This was a guy named Robert Houdin, who was a, 
an architect from France. Now, there may be an internal ramp, but 70-ton blocks and a, and a ramp with slaves pulling it, it just didn't happen. So how was this place built? There is a record in a temple of Edfu that's 500 miles south of the Great Pyramid. On the walls of this temple are two and a half acres of hieroglyphics. The hieroglyphics state we had papyrus that was so ancient it was flaking away. And rather than let this record be lost, we are inscribing on the walls of the temple of Edfu a record of what happened. Now, they didn't call this island Atlantis. They called it the island of the primal ones, of the shining ones. And he said there was a tremendous war between good and evil. And their islands sank and they fled to Egypt. And when they got to Egypt, by building these buildings, they tried to recreate their lost homeland unsuccessfully. So, how did I get involved in the Great Pyramid? Well, let me tell you something else. Let me switch back. There's a, there's a pyramid called Saqqara. It's about six or eight miles southwest of Giza, the pyramid field. For those who don't know where Giza is, it's right by Cairo, and it's at the north end of Egypt, and Egypt slopes down where the Nile River runs. So right before it enters the Mediterranean Sea is Giza, and it's a fan-shaped delta, and the pyramid perfectly circumscribes that fan-shaped delta. And while I was saying about the Nile River, let me mention something on the Nile River. Most people don't have a clue that the Nile River used to run across Africa and empty into the Atlantic Ocean. That is no longer the case. Certain researchers now feel, based on evidence, that that was geoengineered to change, to, to flow due north. Why? Because there is a grand plan that all of Egypt was made on. And this grand plan had to do with the nature of humanity and of souls in the earth. There are in, in Egyptological lore, in Egyptological myths, so to speak, the two major players, the three major players actually in Egypt were Osiris, Isis, his kind of wife, like Adam and Eve, and the brother of Osiris, Set, who was extremely jealous of, of Osiris. So set in this cosmic play, in this mythological play, he murdered his brother and cut his body into 15 pieces and spread them all around Egypt so they could never be found. But again, this is an Egyptological myth. What happened is Isis, his consort, wife, sister, went and found 14 of the 15 pieces. She couldn't find his phallus. The phallus represents regeneration and rebirth. <clears throat> it is the male sign of impregnation. It's almost like the phoenix, the death and the regeneration. She couldn't find the phallus, so she fashioned a golden phallus, the most precious metal, and using Egyptian magic, she put him back together, kind of like Frankenstein, put the phallus on him and impregnated herself and bore Horus. She still only found 14 pieces. Horus is the hawk-headed god, and 
all of the Egyptian, the early Egyptian hieroglyphics are spiritual representations of the process of moving back towards the divine. It is exactly the same process that the Jews brought out of Egypt under Moses, who some people argue was the only pharaoh to ever abdicate the throne, Akhenaten. Akhenaten was the world's first monotheist. And the process that was brought out is called Yom Kippur. For those of you who are familiar with Yom Kippur, at a exoteric or a simplistic for the masses meaning, it means the Day of Atonement. It is the day when people, when the, the high priest would go into the whole, before the temple was destroyed, he would go into the Holy of Holies and bring two goats. One would be sacrificed, one would be let go. One would have all the sins, they'd drive it away for three days and throw it off a cliff. In the, in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, there's a mercy seat between two cherubim that originally was used to talk to God. When the Jews lost the, in about 652 BC, the Ark of the Covenant disappeared. If we have time, I'll share with you where I think it's coming back from, because all the indicators are, or great indicators are, that it was buried on purpose by these guys. You ever hear of the Knights of the Temple? The Templars? The Templars built every one of the Gothic cathedrals in Europe. And every one of those cathedrals are based on Egyptian esoteric mysteries because all of Egypt is about returning to the light of the divine. What is this book about? This book is about cutting edge physics and consciousness that the ultimate nature of reality is light and that the light is instantaneous everywhere in the universe and connected. And my doctoral chair's best friend, he's still alive, he's written 100 books. His name is Dr. Irvin Laszlo. He wrote a book, <coughs> excuse me, in 2004 called Science in the Akashic Field. And in it, he covered every development of quantum physics from 1905 when Niels Bohr developed it until 2004 and he and what he covered was everything and what here's what quantum physicists have found all space all time all past all present all future all domains all levels everything that you could ever conceive of is part of what is called the akashic field scientists have proven that everything is connected to everything else instantaneously and it's all light, including our bodies. That knowledge has been suppressed greatly. The last sentence in that book says, the Akashic field, which means the all, is the mind of the divine. The Egyptian, ancient Egyptians built every single structure with the idea of the light and returning to the light because we are spiritual beings experiencing the earth. I'll give you a pretty good example. The original ancient Egyptian name for the Great Pyramid was not Khufu. Khufu didn't build the Great Pyramid, and there was no evidence except the three-inch high statue of supposedly the Pharaoh Khufu found close by to the pyramid that Khufu built it, along with a guy named Howard Weiss, who dynamited his way into the chambers above the, above the, the, the king's chamber, so-called, just not the king's chamber, and 
he argues that he found cartouches that said Khufu. The problem is he had lousy Egyptian and he didn't know how to write the hieroglyphics. The original name of the Great Pyramid, which was cased in perfectly white Tura limestone, was Takut, the light. Every building in Egypt was built to process enlightenment, <coughs> to return people, which is the same term, you got to think process philosophy, Alfred North Whitehead. Neither you or I or anyone watching, listening to this is a specific being, but a creative entity, and all we do is create. That's all we do. All the divine does is creates. All you do is create. Every cell in your body is constantly being recreated as part of the Akashic field which is part of a divine mind plan, which has the ontology of light, but a teleology, a purposefulness of ever becoming more sophisticated, conscious, and aware. Let's go back to, let's go back to, to Yom Kippur. Most Jews are taught that Yom Kippur means the Day of Atonement. But if you break the word apart, it becomes a process. Atonement really is about at one men. It is the process of return. And if we look at the Old Testament, it is, a, it is an attempt to move from selfishness, arrogance, and pride which is the whole story of the Old Testament, no matter what the specifics are, to selflessness. As a psychologist, I can say all psychological problems, excuse me, I gotta get a drink. All psychological problems relate to self-absorption. I don't care what you, if you look at the DSM-5 now, every issue, is about self, depression, anxiety reactions. I don't care what it is. They're all about self. The way out of that is to fall in love with that which created us. And I argue all addictions are attempts to numb the pain of not being in Yom Kippur, of moving back towards the divine because it is the only thing that exists, the Akashic field is. The ancient Egyptians knew this. That's why the Great Pyramid was not built as a tomb, nor any of the other pyramids. The Great Pyramid was built as a temple of initiation. And the, the empty sarcophagus, and I've, I was in the empty sarcophagus for 17 breaths. And I can tell you, it is so loaded with energy that unless you are really in a perfect attunement, you can't stay in it. I lasted 17 breaths. It was like, it was like being bombarded with the most weird sensations ever. There is much more to that, and it's in this book. Okay? Now... Let me go back to, the, to the, the general vicinity of why Egypt was not, the, the pyramids in Egypt and the temple, some of the temples were built later on earlier sites. And again, there are seven bands of temples. There's two on each side of the Nile River. My daughter has a very good friend, his late friend, her late friend, who, not Joseph Yuan, it was, I'll think of his name in a minute. He wrote a great article on talking about the Nile River and all of the temples being chakras along the Kundalini. That's what the ancient esoteric Egyptians knew and taught privately. So <coughs> those 14 temples 
are missing the 15th piece. And that 15th piece is why I was brought in for the, the desire by Dr. Zahi Awas and Dr. Mark Lerner, who have, one is publicly stated, Dr. Mark Lerner wrote a book and has publicly stated, and I got the slide to prove it. He said, my entire goal of my life was to find the lost Atlantean Hall of Records. Dr. Zahi Awas brought me in because I had access to the LIDAR system. And we were going to go into Egypt bringing the LIDAR system because what they're really interested is in finding the biggest change in history that'll ever be. And that is the Atlantean Hall of Records. So that's a quick overview. Are you guys still with me? Yes, sir. That's it's interesting. So you, you had said the the people of light. Now, if I remember correctly, in the Old Testament, when they talk about the serpent, the word for serpent was nakash, which means kind of bronze-colored skin or, or, or like, like glisten-like light. I wonder if there's any sort of relation there between nakash, that Hebrew word, and what you're describing. Well, I wasn't going to cover this, but I'll go, I'll, I'll, since you asked, I'll go into it. <clears throat> as you now see, as we now see, the people in power always want to control the narrative. And they will do that when you're asleep and all you are is self-absorbed. It's like what Stalin said, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. And if you look at all the mass murderers, there is no concern at all or love for anyone. What we see in Star Wars, what we see in all the themes through history and biblically, and I suggest to you, the Old Testament is, was written on four levels, historical, literal, allegorical, symbolic. It's also written esoterically. It is, if it is taken only literally, <coughs> we limit ourselves. So let's go back to what's not in the Old Testament, but is mentioned in the Old Testament. And what that is, is, is the Book of Enoch. And in the Book of Enoch, which, and there's 2,200 flavors of Christianity, and there are several flavors of Judaism. The 2,200 exoteric flavors of Christianity have a common theme, and it's based on a need to feel safe. So what they argue is only our flavor of Christianity is correct. They're all wrong for whatever theological reasons that there are. With Judaism, what Judaism sought the same surety in the law, into maintaining the Mosaic law, to the nth degree. Now, what was the purpose of the law? It was tikkun olam. Are you familiar with tikkun olam? Okay. Tikkun olam literally means the repair of the gulf, the rift between the divine and humanity by maintaining the law. Now, what is that really about? It's about boundaries. It's about boundaries so the ego, which is easy and got out, does not run amok and is, and is bounded until consciousness can awaken enough that you are in, in touch with the divine enough that you recognize the way to live is through the pattern of selflessness. Now, there is a reason why the Jewish prophets came in as Jews, because what Judaism was originally about was an offshoot, it could be argued, of the Egyptian desire to be one with the divine. And what Judaism is all about is the love of God. But I have a friend of mine, he's not a close friend, he's an acquaintance, his name is Rabbi Yonasan Gershom. And Rabbi Gershom 
is a Hasidic Jew. And he wrote to me one day and he said, Tom, 85% of all Jews today are secular humanist atheists. So they have forgotten what the Orthodox, which they think the Orthodox are nuts, but the Orthodox practice Tikkun Olam. That's the goal. And the goal is surety and it's, it's the preservation of the self for the future. But all spiritual growth, I don't think I brought the book with me, all spiritual growth is paradoxical. The more you give up of self and self-protection, you got a question? Did you want me to stop? I was just going to say that it's interesting what you had, what you had said is, because the words of Jesus, he hath no greater love than to give his life That's for correct. his brother. And if you look, the Old Testament is all about failure. It is the failure to live a selfless life and do tikkun olam and do Yom Kippur. The, whether somebody believes in Jesus, and if you look at the history of Christianity, <coughs> excuse me, it is a far different cry than what was taught after the 1400s. And I'll give you an example. Until the Emperor Justinian in about 450 or 535, I forget the year, his wife was Theodosia. She was a concubine. Reincarnation, the idea of reincarnation is still the viable teaching of Hasidic esoteric Jews. For the, for the 85%, they don't believe in anything. But there's, there is a phenomenal series of, of insights by rabbis that are esoteric rabbis to talk why reincarnation is not openly taught in Judaism. Until 500 AD, and by the way, to the Christians in the audience that have been taught that man is appointed but wants to live, and wants to die, I can cite four even more compelling passages in the New Testament that say exactly opposite. <clears throat> For example, Matthew 11 and Matthew... Could you share uh, those? Yeah, sure. Matthew 11 and Matthew 17, you can look, Jesus is having a discussion. The disciples are asking Jesus, who are you? Are you Elijah? Are, who, are you a prophet? Who are you? What's your nature? What's your ontology? And he said, I'll tell you, Elijah has come again, and they knew him not, and they did to him what they would. And then it says the disciples understood that he spake it to them of John the Baptist. So let's look at Elijah's life. Elijah, and I'm trying to remember if it was Jezebel or if it was Delilah. Elijah was a, an aesthetic, and Elijah's the guy that had the contest between the priests of Baal, and this is about dancing about over the, about the, the fire, and he said, have your servants bring all of the wood, kill a bullock, a bull, a cow, and put it on there and have them dance around and see if he can bring the fire down. Nothing happened after like 12 hours. He then calls down Yahweh. And what Yahweh does is lights the fire. But in Elijah's arrogance, what did he do? Do you remember? He beheaded all. He killed them the all. Water on there? He killed 500. He beheaded 500 priests of Baal. Oh, yeah, the Baal, prophets of Baal. So what Jesus was referring to in 11 and 17 is that the karma, karma is not just memory. It's a Sanskrit word that means action. Which you sow, you shall reap. He who die, kills by the sword shall die by the sword. But it's not just memory. It's God's grace so you can meet and overcome what you have done. That's what leukemia really is. Leukemia is the shedding of your own blood nonviolently from an esoteric perspective. 
So here's, here's two other ones. Paul, I think it's in Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. Paul says, I travail. Travail is a French word meaning to work, to engage. Je travaille encore à mon vie. I, I, I engage in my life. Here's what he said. I travail. This is in a King James Version. I travail in birth again till ye be formed in Christ Jesus. Now, let's go to Revelation. Revelation was given to Jesus, to, by Jesus, to the Apostle John, John the Beloved, it isn't exactly described, when he was banished to the island of Patmos. And he appeared to them, and John says, I was in spirit, deep meditation, on the Lord's day, when Jesus revealed this to me. If you read chapter 3, verse 12, this is what Jesus tells John. To he who overcomes the world, I will send out no more. So how did I get involved? How did I get invited in? Is because when I hypnotized a guy named Bob Pickett, this was in 1965. Bob Pickett, I mean, I knew nothing about hypnosis. He insisted I hypnotize him. I was raised Roman Catholic, and I was, the, I, was, I mean, I was like 18, 19 years old. I was just a fool. I didn't know anything, but I wanted a college degree because I realized how stupid I was, how, how clueless I was because I, I grew up in the projects in, in Buffalo. So I said, all right, Pickett, I'll hypnotize you. And I hypnotized him. <coughs> I age regress him, and I was sewing a button on my fatigue blouse, and I had a long needle. And I, since I'm doubting Thomas, he's, I take him back to age four, and I said, I wonder if he's BSing me. I wonder if he's awake and he's just making his stuff up. Because I'm asking him, what would you get for your birthday? So he's laying, on the, he's laying on his bed next to me, and I take that needle, and I stabbed him in the hand. He didn't even budge. I said, holy cow. So I said, what'd you get for your fourth birthday, third birthday, second birthday, first birthday? Can you remember being born? He tells me. This is cognitive dissonance of the highest order. I said, can you remember in your mother's womb? He tells me about a conversation between his mother and his aunt about the coming baby. I said, can you remember anything before? Because I'm figuring he's going to say, I was a fat, chubby little angel and God sent me down here. This is what he told me. I was a minor functionary in the court of Louis XVI, and he starts telling me of a lifetime in France. My head was exploding. I couldn't take it. I had to wake him up. As soon as he woke up, he goes, I says, Pickett, do you remember what you told me? He goes, Tom, you're my best friend. You stabbed me in the hand when I was sleeping. That's all he cared about. He didn't want to hear. He wouldn't let me hypnotize him again. He would never let do anything. I got certified. I went back as part of my doctoral program, and I was certified by the American Society for Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis. It's only open to dentists, doctors, and PhDs. I didn't have my doctorate then. I was, I was working on my doctoral dissertation, and here's what they told us. We do not know what hypnosis is, and I'll tell you what it is. In my opinion, it is letting go of the stranglehold that the rational consciousness has on us. And it's letting the unconscious mind, which is the conscious mind of the soul, speak. That's what hypnosis is really about. They then said to me, if somebody spontaneously regresses to a former life, pay them no mind. That's how powerful the strictures are. All right, let me tell you a little more because we only got three minutes left, right? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little more. <clears throat> when I got transferred to Germany after De Gaulle threw us out of France, a guy gave me a book called There is a River about Edgar Cayce. I didn't know anything about Edgar. I, didn't, I mean, I was a young kid. I was 19. I didn't know. I read that book three times in three days, and I said, this is either this is the greatest story ever told or it's utter BS. 
Over the years, I can say this about Casey. <coughs> he is the only psychic, seer, whatever you want to call him, in all history that was stenographically recorded for 25 or 27 years. He could take his consciousness under altered state and project it anywhere in the world and go through your body in extreme detail with 98% accuracy and prescribe how to get better. Did that for 45 years. There's a guy who's written a 1,600-page book that I'll be glad to send you. It's a trilogy called Return of the Phoenix by Michael Mandeville. He was an absolute skeptic on Casey, and he said, I, I thought he was like everybody else, another phony. And I'm not asking you to accept or reject anything on Casey, but I'll tell you this. Dr. Zahi Awas and Dr. Mark Lerner's PhDs were paid for by Edgar Casey's oldest son. Casey said that the Great Pyramid was designed by this guy, who was a prior incarnation of Christ. And that's the whole purpose of a 12,900-year plan that's coming to an end with another change in consciousness. And it says in the Bible that Adam and Eve was the first man and woman, but we know they married other people. According to the Casey source, Casey never remembered anything, there were multiple levels as we came into the earth because we're pure spirit. It was pure spirit, thought form, like a two-year-old, thought form projecting into materiality, centaurs, mentors, mermaids, getting stuck until God eventually created the Adamic race. That's what the Bible was talking about. The Adamic race is rational mind, and the whole process is over many lifetimes. And, and it's a gift that we can't remember those lifetimes. Because what if you were Hitler? What if you were a murderer or a prostitute? The unconscious self-hatred of the ego would destroy us. So God gives us free will. And the goal is, is in Matthew 10, 32, I think that's in, the goal, the disciples were saying to him, who are we? And he said, as I'm not saying your scriptures, referring to the 82nd Psalm, that ye are God's children of the Most High. Our goal, all we do is create. All God does is create. The goal is, what is the spirit, the ideals in which you live? Because all evil in the earth is caused by selfishness, pride, and arrogance. And that's what the fallen angels are about. They came into the earth and Lucifer most likely seduced Eve, impregnated her with Cain. And what did Cain do? Murdered Abel. Those, they got an access so they could incarnate into the earth plane. And we are now reaching the culminating war that'll be culminating with a polar shift. And my hour is up. That's a lot of amazing things that we didn't even get to really tackle as much as I wanted to. Man, the time went by so quick. I think I have to Whatever have you back like. again sometime soon. I have pictures. I have slides. I can talk to you about other areas. And but that's. I think it's the greatest story never told of who Christ really was. He was Adam, Melchizedek, Enoch, Jeshua, Joshua, Joseph. Look at him with Joshua. He had 11 brothers and a father. He had a multicolored coat. What does that represent? It represents light diffracted and not whole yet. He got, he was going to be murdered by his brothers. They threw him into a well. When names change, when consciousness changes, names change in the Bible. And his brother Judah sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Within two years, he was number two guy in Egypt. Okay, he interpreted dreams. He forgave his brothers and his father. See the movement? At first he was arrogant, they hated him. 
he eventually forgave them. Just look at just look at Joshua. Joshua was allowed into the promised land. Moses wasn't. Why? Moses murdered a slave owner. You look at those lives of, look at Melchizedek. He is viewed by Christians as a precursor of Christ. That's because he was. If you read John chapter 1, everything in that chapter is true. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And that by him all things were created. Nothing was not created except by him. He is the pattern, and yet he will never force that pattern on us. That's why he says, I stand at the door and knock. But I will never enter unbidden. It is us to use our free will to wake up. And I can, I'll end it with this. There is one quality that defines all happy people. You want to take a shot at it? One word. Gratitude. All happy people are grateful. All the rest are ingrates. They're poor me. Somebody done me wrong. And they're victims. They're asleep to their own Yom Kippur. They are not at one. So they seek to kill the pain of non-being. They seek addictions. And what is the gift of an addiction? Pain. That's how you know you're addicted. Pain. The people that live in peace are the ones that have fallen in love with God. Just look at the great Sufis. Look at Rumi or Hafiz. Hafiz says, I am a hole in the flute of God through which Christ's breath blows. Listen to this music. Falling in love with God is the only way out psychologically. It's the only thing that brings peace. That's what Christ came to show us. Those buildings, all of the buildings... In Egypt, all of the temples, initiates were taken to the lowest temples, and they were brought up and taught at every level until at the highest level, which was the Temple of Initiation, which is the Great Pyramid. None of them were built <coughs> as tombs. They were built as temples of initiation. Hermes is the Greek name for Thoth. For Thoth. Enoch, the, the, the Jewish prophet Enoch, perhaps the greatest prophet next to Moses, was known to the Jews. This was Thoth, Thoth, Enoch, Hermes, same guy. In the Hermetica, <clears throat> Hermes brings his disciple, Aslipius, and they're viewing ancient Egypt. And Aslipius says to him, Look at the beauty, the perfection that is Egypt. And by the way, the accuracy of the of the jars. There's forty thousand jars. They are they are basalt, and, and I can't think of the other things. There's forty thousand jars. They're they are machined to one thousandth of an inch. And I'll I'll shut up after this. What 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 Hermes says to Aslipius. As Aslipius says, look at this beauty everywhere. And Hermes says to Aslipius, it'll all be destroyed. It'll all be gone. It'll all be forgotten by mankind. But someday, they will awaken to the glory of the divine. Thanks for your time. No, thank you, sir. And, and I think this is a perfect time to say that there is redemption at the foot of Jesus. And if, and if you've done things in your life that, that are taking you into a bad place, into addiction, into self-hate, into all of these things that we've discussed, turn to the cross, turn to Jesus, and you will find that forgiveness that you're looking for. That's, he's everything. He's the answer. He's the only answer. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bye now. Just a reminder for everyone out there, the duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. I recently got a new affiliate. It's Harvest Right Freeze Dryer. I've been using them since 2016. 
It's a great way to preserve food for long periods of time, up to 25 years if stored properly. Please take a look at it, use the link below. Thank you.